Good morning, Lighthouse. Did you come to worship the Lord this morning? It's a passage in Jeremiah 32. It says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And what was the answer to that one? Of course not. And nothing is too difficult for our Lord. Let's all sing this morning. Sing, Harley. Our Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Thy great power. Our Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for Thee. Nothing is too difficult for Thee. Great and mighty God, Great in counsel and mighty in me. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Great and mighty God, great in counsel and mighty in thee. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Go and welcome on this morning. Make our guests feel like at home.
Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Thy great power. Morning. Howdy. Good to see you here. We're missing a few. Almost missing me today. I'm just barely here. In several different ways. We won't get into that. But I'm glad you're here. And I'm looking forward to worshiping the Lord with you. Amen. But if we're going to worship the Lord and do it right, we're going to need something from Him. And that's a clean heart. You did not do well this week when it came to not sinning against the Lord, did you? No, you messed it up just like you did last week and the week before. And I'm no different. I have a, I have a problem with my flesh. I do things I shouldn't. I fail to do things I should. I act without thinking. I, I, have, uh, I have a whole variety of different ways that I have fallen short of God's glory. And I don't want to stand up here before you and pretend that I didn't. God tells us, if any man says he has no sin, he is a... Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pretend. But I will tell you one thing. I am so grateful that the Lord Jesus... He not only paid for my salvation on the cross of Calvary, but the Bible says that he's willing to cleanse me when I fall short of his glory, if I will but confess my sin. Amen. And I would just uh, invite you to join me as I do just that right here this morning. We're going to sing at least three more songs, praise to the Lord. We're going to hear the word of God preached. And I want to leave differently today than when I came. I want to be encouraged. I want to be changed. I need to be changed. Just like you. Just like you. Amen? Let's go to the Lord and fix this thing. Jesus will fix it if we will confess our sin to him. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, humbly acknowledging, Father, our failures and our falling short of your glory by the things that we said and did and thought that shouldn't have been in our lives, Lord, we, we acknowledge those things to you. We've already had conversations with you. I have this morning even, Lord. And, and Father, you're, you're granting our permission to come before your throne. Lord, there's nothing in any of our lives that makes us worthy to come before your throne and ask of you anything, Lord. But Jesus, you paid for that. You paid for our sins in full on the cross. You paid for our access to the Father. And we, uh, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, even right now, Lord, because of what you did for us. You made it possible, Lord. And you gave us, as believers, Lord, you gave us your promise that if we would confess our sins, that you are faithful and you are just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, we, uh, we as a body come before you with that on our lips, Lord, with praising you and confessing and acknowledging, Lord, your incredible goodness to allow us into your throne room. Our, our access to you, Lord, is priceless. We can't, we can't even pray for those we love and that are hurting, Lord, without our our hearts being in fellowship with you, Lord. 
So, Lord, we ask for your cleansing and we ask for your presence to be abundantly manifested in this presence today, in this, in this service that's for your glory. We owe you everything, Lord Jesus, and we just want to honor you for it. And we ask it all in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Somewhere around you, there is a card like this. It, ha it is a Lighthouse Communication card. It has a space for your name and your address and your email and your phone. And we, we didn't put a space for your Social Security number or your credit card number, okay? So you can leave. don't worry about that. But uh, on the bottom is a priceless gift. And that's a place to put your prayer request. Uh, I know that I have needs in my family. My wife particularly has prayer needs going on right now that we need to bring to the Lord for her. And that's going to happen today. If you put your prayer request on there, we will take it to, to Jesus. And he will hear and he will listen. Amen. So we invite you to do that. And right now we invite you to sing real praise to him. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. So I'll stand and continue joining singing for the Lord.
Children in second grade and under will be going back to King's Kids with Miss Yaya today. And as for third through six, I'm going to invite you guys to stay out here this morning to hear the message. Good morning, Lighthouse. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Now, if you're wondering, what am I doing back here? Weren't you last week? Well, I'm back. So, I guess you can consider this a follow-up to last week's message where we talked about how the blood of Christ and how it's precious to us. And this is the follow-up to those who've been redeemed, those who've been cleansed by the blood, and those who take precious, and know it's precious to them. But if you did come for a feel-good sermon this morning, um, I can't promise that. Uh, for the whole thing. Preparing for church. Now, if you're already thinking, well, I put some clothes on, I got out the door, and I'm sitting here today, I got it. If that's the solution, then stay tuned. I want to tell you a little bit of a story that's not true. There was a man who was stranded on a desert. He was stranded for many years. One day while strolling along the beach, he spotted a ship in the distance, and this had never happened in all the time he was on that island. So he was very excited about that one chance he had to finally be rescued. Immediately, he built a fire on the beach, and he would generate as much smoke as possible. Well, as a result, soon the ship was heading that way. When the ship was close enough to that island, a boat was dispatched to investigate the situation. The man on the island was overjoyed with the chance to finally be rescued. Well, after rescuing him, the captain of the ship asked the man on the island, How, how did you survive for so many years? Well, the man replied by telling all his exploits for food and how he was able to make a fine house to live in. And in fact, the man said, you can see my home from right here. He pointed in the direction of his home. They looked up and they saw three buildings. They inquired about the building next to the man's house. And he said, oh, that's my church. I, I go to there to worship on Sundays. When they asked about the third building, the man replied, well, that's where I used to go to church. Think about it. He was the only one on that island, but he still had found a reason to leave that church and go to a new one. I found the joke to make more of a good point than to be a humorous one. See, but there's more to coming to church than simply just showing up. Nothing complicated, but I want, to give, I want you to be able to give your best worship to God when you come here. The Word of God actually teaches us how we are to come before the Lord and worship. And our text is going to be found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Starting, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our text. We thank you for our time and fellowship we get to have together. And ultimately, Lord, we thank you for the safety and opportunity uh, to come before your presence and worship you in your house. So, Lord, may you glorify it, and may not any recognition of ourselves be seen, but to you and alone. We love you, and ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so preparing for church. Well, how do I prepare the church? I got my clothes on. I'm here. Well, first, you should prepare for church by knowing and understanding who you are coming to worship. We are worshiping the one who had granted us access to God. Verses 9 through 20, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So it says that having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Notice that this is not actually a command or an exhortation. It's a statement of a fact that you have as a privilege when you're in Christ. Having been washed by the blood, you have access to God, access to the holiest. 
Entering God's presence is far better today than that of the Old Testament Levitical system. See, the priest each year, before entering the holiest of holies, he could not do so with that confidence. He did it with fear and trembling. If he made a mistake in his instructions, it could cost him his life. See, we sing this every time after the Lord's Supper. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, the blood of Jesus providing a new and living way, which he consecrated with us, that we really can come to God's presence with absolute boldness and absolute confidence. And I'll tell you this, church is also much better when you are a child of God. Do you know the one who you came to worship? Not know about him, I'm asking, do you know him? This is also not the first instance Hebrews mentions approaching God with confidence. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have and not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly or come with confidence unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. See, under the old covenant, the high priest had access because of the blood of the dead animal. Under the new covenant, we have access because of the perfect sacrifice of the sinless Son of God that has washed us clean by His blood. Through the veil that is His flesh, the veil separated us from the holiest from the veil place. To enter the holiest, you had to pass through the veil. But this veil was separating man from God's intimate presence forever. It's been opened wide because of what Christ has done for us, being torn in two from the top to bottom. See, Hebrews makes that analogy between the veil that stood between God and man and the body of Jesus See, Jesus' body was torn, and so was the veil, each indicating that we now have access to God and to come boldly. We can approach our God with confidence as his precious children as he sees us. We're worshiping our great high priest, verse 21, having a high priest over the house of God. See, the high priest in the old times, they were the supreme religious leaders of the Israelites, the office of the high priest was hereditary. It would be traced back from Aaron, the brother of Moses of the Levite tribe. See, this high priest had to be whole physically without any physical defects and holy in his conduct. And the high priest every year offering sin, not only for us and the people, he offered also behalf of himself. And the most important duty that that high priest had was to conduct the service on the Day of Atonement. The tenth day of the seventh month of every year, only he was allowed to enter the most holy place behind the veil to stand before God. Having made a sacrifice for himself and for the people, he then would bring the blood into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on God's mercy seat, which would be known as significantly God's throne. See, Jesus as our high priest has a so far much better role. He is called our great high priest. Consider this contrast with the Levitical system. See, Jesus' high priest is based from Melchizedek, not the Levites. See, Melchizedek in our figure in the Old Testament is a Christophany, meaning Christ appearing in the Old Testament. He was both a priest and the king of Salem. No other priest ever held that title as king. The same priest and king whom even Abraham, the father of the Jews, the father of many nations, paid tithes to a priesthood that predates the law, hence why we tithe today to our everlasting priest today, Jesus. Jesus had no offering to give because he was sinless. So he offered himself on the behalf of others. See, Jesus only had to offer himself also how many times? Once. While they offered yearly. He offered himself once as opposed to the yearly offering. See, every, price he says, every high priest as well has died and passed on, our high priest defeated death, rose again, is now forever at position of high priest. And every believer has the benefit of Jesus as our great high priest. He is our intercessory to God the Father. And however, I want to make note it. It says high priest over the house of God. 
there is a special ministry mentioned about his role as high priest that not every believer is actually experiencing. He's the high priest over the house of God. So what is the house of God? Well, if you read your Bible in the New Testament, you're going to know it's the church. Is it just the building by itself? No, it's not even the building. It's the people when we're gathered together. This is one of the many reasons it's essential to stay faithful in God's house. Because to forsake, and to, for, to forsake it, to not come to it, is to miss out on Jesus' high priestly ministry to the house of God. There's a special protection that he gives to those who are a part of his church, his body. See, Satan is ready to prance on any God's children that forsake and leave the body. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know the ones easiest for him to devour are? The ones who are outside the flock. The ones wandering outside the protection. We need our church fellowship. See, when we come to church to worship, this is who you are worshiping. The God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty One, the Savior of the world, the Holy God, our great high priest who died for us and gave us access and has defeated death once and for all. His name is Jesus. What more can we give to him other than our worship? And because of who we worship, we must both prepare our inner man and our outer man. Prepare to come before the Lord God with a true heart. Verse 22 says this, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. This is applying to the inner man. True heart means a clean conscience. How do we do this? Because I just did everything perfectly all week? No, we even take opportunity to do this at the beginning of the mess, uh, beginning of our sermon, uh, worship. Sorry, guys. You come clean before God by confession. This is never done by righting all your wrongs or living perfectly, but by a life of confessing and forsaking. It's, from, it's found from 1 John. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess, homologeo, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See, this is only possible because of Jesus' priestly ministry. The work of Jesus gives us the means to draw near to him. See, the problem of access to God has been settled. The problem of a perfect high priest has been settled. The problem of a moral and spiritual pollution has been settled by what Christ has accomplished, by his blood. See, the blood of Jesus is what cleanses us from an evil conscience. See, you don't have to come to church through those doors with the guilt just eating you alive. You can take care of it before your loving and heavenly father. Why not be transparent with him? Because after all, does he not already know? You can come to him no matter what, whether you're brokenhearted, ashamed, full of regret. He understands. If you're feeling overwhelmed with guilt and shame, church is where you actually need to be. There's so many times I've talked with people. It's like, well, I just feel guilty. I just don't feel like I should be in church right now. If you're feeling like you shouldn't be in church, you need to be in church. Don't convince yourself that others are going to judge you otherwise. Let God be the one to sort that out. Psalm 34, 18, 19 says, The Lord is nigh or near unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such of be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Second, we see prepare to come before God with our bodies clean. And our bodies washed with pure water, it says. So our bodies washed with pure water. Now, I understand that there's some debate going on whether this refers to our physical bodies or whether it refers to a, a spiritual cleansing with the word. However, the context in the historical setting would indicate it's talking about being physically clean. The high priest would cleanse himself in the Jewish mikvah before the tabernacle, and the Jews would also physically wash themselves before worship. This was even a practice Gentiles had in pagan worship. Also, consider 2,000 years ago. Do you think that people would probably stink? Definitely would. So why would they subject their brothers and their sisters to the smell gathering together in fellowship without bathing? See, washing their bodies was an outward sign that the inward had been purified. 
So what's the application for us here today? Saturday night, whether you need it or not, you take a shower, you bathe, take a shower, be clean. Don't just do it for yourself. Do it for your church family. If you're struggling to find a reason, do it before your fellowship. You do not want to be known as the one who stinks. Trust me. Prepare to come before God in confidence in our faith because he is faithful. This is our key one. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. So how is it that any of this is possible? Because he is faithful that promised. This is my favorite part of the passage. Our position, our basis is on God's faithfulness. Therefore, we can have that full assurance of our faith and come with him in confidence. Third, commit yourself to be here. Encourage your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Verses 24 to 25. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love into good works. We want to commit ourselves to be here so we can build up our brothers and sisters to love and good works. So when you come to church, your mindset to be here, I'm going to come and encourage someone, build someone up in love. And a lot oftentimes it's reciprocated, it's received back. We need each other for this. We need our church fellowship with one another. This goes even beyond just simply Sunday morning, by the way. We also need to be committing ourselves to not forsake the assembly and fellowship to build each other up. Verse 25, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves. By the way, the church comes from a word, ekklesia, which means to assemble. And it's assembly. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I have a question, though. So how do you expect to fulfill this command here in Hebrews and to provoke one another to love and good works if you're not here? We offer a live stream service opportunity here at Lighthouse, and I'm grateful that we do. However, many here and myself can testify it's not the same. The atmosphere is gone. The opportunity to love and encourage my brother and sister is gone. I'm glad that we offer it to those for those who couldn't be here that day for whatever reason. Sickness, health, any of the things that can follow through. But it was never meant to be designed to replace church. It was never meant to replace gathering together for worship. Yeah, you'll hear a sermon, you get to sing some songs, but that's not what church is all about. Of course, there are opportunities to show your love and some of your brothers and sisters in Christ outside of the worship times. But why would you neglect the perfect occasion to do so, such as a Sunday morning? More importantly, why would you actually disobey the command he gives to assemble and worship the Lord together? That's what a church is, a called-out assembly, ecclesia. But consider this question as well. Do you have things in your life that cause you to miss church, or is church the reason you miss things? A lot of things go out there in the world. There's a lot of fun out there. But is church the reason you say, I don't do that? Well, I mean, there's 52 Sundays in a year. Surely two or three is not so bad. See, too often do God's people decide to only come when it's convenient in their lives. And I understand there are some occasions that do come up that would cause you to miss. This is a principle known as the ox in the pit or the ox in the ditch principle. Jesus actually used this illustration to apply the Sabbath when he was questioned for performing miracles on the Sabbath. See, sickness is a great reason if you're going to miss church. You don't want to cause your brothers and sisters to get sick. You don't want to put yourself at a greater risk. Family emergencies occur, sometimes a job that will put you on call, ox in the pit. But if it keeps happening, maybe it's time to barbecue the ox. Is working late on a Saturday night a good reason to miss? There's a birthday party to attend later. Guests are coming over this afternoon. Are these good reasons? I'll let you decide that. When Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, most likely Paul, made this statement, do you know what that occasion was? The occasion that brought on the phrase, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together, was it just a fear or something to do later? Their occasion, these Christians faced heavy persecution for their faith. They faced death for their faith and still found assembling worship, assembling to worship together to be essential as a part of their lives and walk with Christ. This is even happening today. Western Christianity has that way easier compared to our brothers and sisters in the faith in the East. See, American Christians will leave churches because of messages like this one today. 
Want to know the fastest way to grow in discouragement with your walk with the Lord? Is to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Some only go to church if they feel they need it at the time. But our motivation for fellowship must be to obey God and give to others. We can go and should gather with our church family to encourage someone who needs to stand strong against discouragement. We gather to receive something from God. We gather to give something to God. We gather to encourage each other by our shared faith and values. We gather to bless one another. We gather to work together. Do it out of love for God, out of what he's done for you and a love for each other. Commit yourself to be faithful in your worship and service to the Lord until the end. It says, and so much the more as ye see the day. That's talking about when Jesus comes back, the day approaching. All the more reasons to faithfully commit yourself and to be in fellowship with God's people is because the day of the Lord is approaching. Do you want to be found outside of fellowship with God and his people when he returns? Many will. It says in the manner of some is. Well, what's it going to take for you to forsake the assembly as the manner of some is? See, some leave because they claim, well, I'm just not growing anymore. This can seem valid at first until you examine about the reasons why they're not growing, about their involvement. See, if this is you today feeling this way, today I ask, are you a member? Attending every week, by the way, does not grant automatic membership. We need you to come up before and publicly proclaim you would like to be a member. If you have not received a scriptural baptism, we will baptize you the right way and you will come out of that water as a member of this church. Church membership is absolutely essential for your walk with the Lord. Second, when do you come in? Is it 11, 10 a.m. with no chance to catch up with your family? Were you in Sunday school? Did you participate in the Lord's Supper? Are you attending a home team, weekly Bible study? Did you make an effort to get to know someone and encourage someone? Were you attentive to the message, or were you on your cell phone the whole time? Who did you come to worship? Where are you serving? If you're not able to check these things off, perhaps blaming the church isn't the answer. See, those who leave with this mentality will leave the next church and the next and the next, creating an unending cycle of, I'm just not growing, so I'm going to try a new church. By the way, just simply moving on to a new church, that's the same as forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So do you come with your Bible ready to learn, ready to praise, bring your glory to Jesus, ready to encourage your brothers and sisters, excited to be able to give that which he provided, ready to serve out of love? Here's a little principle. The standard and expectation, how, what's the frequency I should expect myself to be in church? The standard and expectation you should hold yourself to being in God's house and conducting yourselves on Sunday mornings should be the same one you hold your pastor to. What if your pastor just like, well, I had a late job Saturday night. I'm, I'm tired. I can use the extra hours of sleep. If you come to church, you would be uphauled. You should hold yourself to the same standard. Well, he gets paid. You think we do this for the money? You should hold yourself to the same standard you hold your pastor to be in church on Sunday morning. And it should be a one-time decision. Sunday morning is where I am in God's house, worshiping together with his people, bringing him honor and serving him out of love. See, messages like this aren't easy to hear. They're not easy to preach either. Messages like this isn't because we want to pick on you. It's because we love you. We need our fellowship with each other more than ever. See, earlier in our text, we saw how Christ's work gives us access to the throne of grace. See, through his blood, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what made that possible. See, our sin is what separated us from a holy and righteous God. And Jesus took our place on the cross as a ransom for our sin. Three days and three nights later, he rose again and conquered death once and for all. That is the gospel defined. This is the message this world needs today. It's our duty to proclaim it and live in a manner consistent with it. See, anyone who would put their trust in him will be saved, and they will be saved and they will have everlasting life. Nothing you can do to work to accomplish, nothing you could ever do to deserve it. In fact, we deserve just the opposite. It's God's grace and his mercy that gives us access to him to be able to do anything we do today. 
And because all that he has done for you, why would you neglect his church? The church is defined in the Bible as the body of Christ. To say, I love Jesus, but I really don't really like the church, doesn't make sense. It's his body. Some have even concluded that you don't have to be in church to be this good Christian. Well, whatever good in the first place means, I would ask in return, does someone have to be at home in order to be married? You can indeed be a Christian, be saved, and not be in church. Just likewise, a husband or wife won't stop being married because they're just never home. But good luck on having a strong marriage. See, we need each other, not just to be in church, but to be the church. Being here and ready to serve our Savior. See, will you let things in your life make you miss church, or will church be the reason you miss things? Furthermore, John F. Kennedy said this, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Well, ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our opportunity to gather here together and just that to provoke one another to love and good words and encourage each other, but ultimately, Lord, to come before your presence and lift your name high and give you honor and give you glory. Lord, I don't know any of the hearts of anyone in here or why anyone wants to miss out, but Father, I can proclaim it from my own testimony. Being in church is where we need to be. Even if we don't feel like it, even if the weight of the world is crushing us, we need each other to lift each other up. That's only possible, Lord, if we're, making, if we're committing ourselves to be present and committing ourselves to serve you, Lord. And may our motivation always be done out of love, Lord. So we ask you to help us and strengthen us in that. So Lord, thank you for our time together and thank you for all the benefits we have in you, especially having access to you to talk to you and speak with you and just grow and continuously and walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good job. I can pretty well guarantee you I'm here because I wanted to come worship this morning. I, uh, I could have had as good an excuse as I would ever want to have not to be here today. But uh, I want to be here. I, I do. I, I wouldn't be anyplace else if I, if I have a choice. You know, one of the things that uh, we've learned over the years from the scriptures. If you're a member of this church, you're going to relate to what I'm about to remind you of. First Corinthians tells us that God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. Now he's talking about the physical body. He puts your hand on the end of your arm. You know, I mean, if your hand was connected to your ear, you might, you know, you might have a little trouble. But he puts your body parts where he wanted them to be. And that's the illustration that he used to tell you and to remind you that he's the one who sets the members in the body of Christ as it pleases him. I want you to, I want you to think about something just for a moment, and then I'm going to quit because I'm going to fall asleep here in a minute. But if God sets you in this body and you do what some is doing, some do, and that's you just find you just decide that you need to be somewhere else. Do you, do you understand how that works? God puts you here, and you're deciding that you need to be somewhere else. Do you realize what you're doing? You're telling God that, he, that you know about, more about what you need and where you need to be than he does. That's exactly what you're doing. Do you understand that? I've argued with the Lord about some things before in my life. And if you ask me how'd that work out for me, I'm going to tell you it wasn't so good. It doesn't pay to argue with the Lord. He's going to put you exactly where he wants you to be. Now, if God doesn't want you here, well, go be somewhere else. But if he does want you here, then why don't you let him call the shots? This whole message, this whole passage 
in uh, Hebrews is about priorities. What's your pri- what are your priorities? What you want and how you want it and what you prefer and what's going to be done for you and how you're going to be served, is, are those your priorities? That's what your flesh wants. What are your priorities? The spirit, the real you, the one that's going to be somewhere with Jesus forever. That's who you really are. God tells us what our priorities ought to be. Being in your house, Lord, with your people, it's number one. I don't make 52 decisions a year whether I'm going to be in church. And, I, and that started long before I became a pastor. I make one decision. One decision. If it's Sunday... It's already decided where I'm going to be. Unless I can't be for a real reason that I truly cannot be there. I'll be right here. I was here every Sunday for several years before I became the pastor of this church. And I didn't miss then. And I don't miss now. Where are your priorities? I know you, most of you, well enough to know. And frankly, I'm pretty proud of you. You could have been anyplace else today. You could say, well, I mean, you know, deer season only lasts so long. And yeah. Where's Greg anyway? I'm going to yeah. pick on him. There he is. <laughs> I tried going deer hunting on Sunday at once a long time ago. You don't even want to know how that worked out for me. I didn't fall out of a tree onto an arrow. Praise God, he did have mercy on me. But I didn't get a deer either, so. You don't make bargains with the Lord. Lord, if you'll you'll get me this raise, I'll be in Sunday at church every Sunday until I need another raise. Don't make a bargain with God. If Jesus never blesses me another time in my whole life, ever, he's he's so far ahead, I, I could never catch up. It's not a matter of, Lord, I'll do this if you'll do that. He already did that. He'd already died in my place. He paid my debt. Not only that, he provided for everything I'm going to need from the, before the foundation of the world. That's what my Savior's done for me. And I owe him everything. Least of all, showing up to worship. Let's see where you are. Let's stand. I don't know what the Lord had to say to you.